God is so great. Our God is so great. Oh, somebody out there ought to agree with me. Our God is so great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for all of the kind words. Those of you who have shaken our hand and expressed your appreciation for what has been taught and ministered, thank you so much. It certainly helps my feelings to know that you think I did a good job. I just hope that when I stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, He thinks the same thing. I have been filling a pulpit for long enough to know that long after the accolades of humanity die down, long after the excitement of a service wanes and is stored in the repository of memory, that God still keeps a record. He still knows who was here, who was blessed, who He spoke to, and in the end, did the message change anything? Did it modify our thinking, our conduct, our relationship with each other, and our relationship with Him? Thank you, Pastor Robertson, for the invitation. I always love coming to McCormick's Creek. It feels like I'm coming home. And that sounds strange for a southern boy to say that about Indiana, but I do. I love you precious people. Our churches could be sister churches, except for the fact that y'all are so much bigger than we are. Now, I know some of you looked at the offering need that was on the board and said, where's all that going to come from? Let me tell you that our little congregation of 80 people. Every month we have a $1,300 church note to pay. We have a $1,400 insurance payment due every month. And that's before utilities or anything else. And that's with 80 folks. There have been times that I have stepped to the pulpit and said, God, this is impossible and seen the needs met because God's people were sensitive. I want what I preach tonight to have an impact, and I hope that God will help me to minister to you. I love each of you so very much. Your ministerial staff is made up of such great ministers, such tremendous young and older men of God. And of course, the mentorhood of your great pastor is what makes those that work under him the great men that they are. I appreciate Brother and Sister Robertson so very much. When he invited me to come this time, I told him on the phone, well, if you didn't invite me, I was going to invite myself because I desperately, I desperately need to sit down and talk with you. There are two men in my life 
whose ministry I respect so tremendously that I turn to them for counseling. And your pastor is one of those men. He is younger than I am, has been in the ministry much shorter period of time than I have, but wisdom is not measured in years, nor is it measured by gray hair. Wisdom is measured by itself. Wisdom demonstrates itself. And so this congregation is greatly blessed to have the man of God you have filling your pulpit. Now, I could tell him to repeat all that when he gets back down to Gulfport so my folks will feel good about me, but I'm not going to do that. Hallelujah. Well, you've shouted, and you've run, and we're not through. Because I believe the Holy Ghost is going to do something among us tonight. A little bit more. Look at your neighbor and say, a little bit more. Little. Hallelujah. I'm asking you to turn with me tonight in the Word of God to the book of Job. Book of Job, chapter 42. And I'm going to read just a little bit of this, and then a little later on we'll come back to it. Okay? So don't lose your place. Job 42, verses 1 through 5. And Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. I have heard of thee by the hearing of of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. I'm going to speak on sensory transition. Sensory transition. And I hope that those words don't bother you and that before the evening you'll be able to put them in context. Will you just lift your hands right now and ask God to bless His Word? Father, I magnify you. Pray that you'd take my fail, feeble lips and my, God, my inabilities, God, and focus your power through us tonight. Let us know, God, what you've got in mind for us in this, this service. Move and undertake, Lord God. Move and undertake, Lord God. Hallelujah. 
turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to help him preach. And you may be seated. The book of Job is often quoted, often looked to, and yet is probably more misunderstood than any book in the Old Testament. For the majority of the book of Job is not God talking to man. The majority of the book of Job is not even Job talking to God. The majority of the book of Job is Job's friends criticizing, attacking, belittling, bemeaning, and jumping on a man who doesn't need it. And oftentimes, ministers will reach into the book of Job and pull a passage of Scripture out and say, and the Lord said, and it's not the Lord saying it, it's Bildad or one of the other dudes. And they're looking to human reasoning for divine truths. The book of Job stretches for 42 books in the Old Testament, and yet when you put it in context, it's only a few weeks. Job didn't go through this situation for years. Everything in that book of Job took place in just a few weeks. And some of you under the sound of my voice tonight are feeling within your own heart and life, boy, I've had all I can take because all of this has happened to me. You don't have to say amen. The Bible said that there was a man in the land of us, and his name was Job. The man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. He hated wickedness. Very kind of person that we want every member of our church to be. Very kind of person that we'd love to have a whole congregation full of. Folks, you really don't have to worry about them because they love God, they're perfect, and they hate evil. And boy, they've been blessed of God financially. they got good families, ten kids. Man, you can build a Sunday school in a hurry. Hallelujah. The Bible said that the reason Job got in trouble was not because of himself, but it was because God had a conversation with the devil. Now stay with me, folks, please. Don't turn me off for a little bit. Those of you that have been around and heard me before know sometimes it takes me a little while to get cranked up. But when we start flying, we're going to fly. Praise God. The Lord said, have you really looked at Job? Brother Robertson, I really, there's a lot of things in the Scripture I ask God to do. This is not one of the things I want Him to do. I don't want him to look at the devil and say, have you considered Glenn Mosby? Nuh uh I want to maintain a low profile. It's when you get lifted up that you get shot at. On a battlefield you learn, you dig trenches and you dig foxholes so that you get down low. The Lord even said, low, I'm with you. But when you start getting high you start getting shot at. And a lot of times you get shot at from both sides. K. 
Can I get an amen from somebody? Anybody know that? Good folks shoot at you and wicked folks shoot at you. And you wonder, God, what am I supposed to do? Get wicked so they stop shooting at me? No, because the righteous then will shoot at you. You don't stand a prayer. Job did not face one thing. Not one thing. Because he was an unrighteous man. God held him up as a target. God's the one that put the target on his chest and said, I dare you, devil. No matter what you do, it's not going to impact Job. Look at what happened. Read about it. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm just going to, I'm just going to hit some highlights here. What did Job do when it came to his children? Oftentimes we think that if we live for God, pray like we ought to for our children, then they are guaranteed salvation. And we look at those. I had a preacher friend tell me once, if you were really living for God, you wouldn't have a son that was backslidden. Since that time, and I'm not bragging, because I pray for him. He's got two boys that are backslidden, not just one. And one of them is so far away from God that it is going to take a miracle of God to ever bring him back. And in my heart of hearts, when I pray for him, I wonder, God, does he ever stop and think about what he said? Does it ever cross his mind? Oh, everything's quiet in McCormick's Creek. That's okay. Consider with me for a moment. What did Job do? The Bible said that every day he prayed. Every day he prayed. Every day he offered offerings. Every day he carried his children before the throne of God. Every day he interceded for them. He said, lest haply they have sinned and didn't even know about it. God, I want you to forgive them for the things that they didn't even know were wrong. How much more can a father do? How much more can you put your children in the hand of God than that? He took care of the needy in the area. He was a philanthropist. His money was not hogged by he and his family. He benefited everybody in the area. His servants apparently loved Job. The Bible said that there came a messenger unto Job, and he said the oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen. God is turned against you. That's, that's not Mosby. This is what the book says. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up the sheep and your servants and consumed them and I and I alone. And then the Chaldeans came in three bands and fell upon the camels and carried them away, slew your servants with the sword, and I am the only one that escaped. Everything is bad enough. Job is saying, well, I can take that. 
I can stand that. God has poured His fire out. I don't know what I've done wrong. I, I, I don't know what I've said. But God, it can't get much worse. And about that time, another came. And his message said, And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And there fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I alone. And this, the young men that he's talking about here are Job's children. His sons and daughters. Wait a minute. I sacrifice for protection. I sacrifice for you to shield them, God. I honored you, God. Oh, we love to shout about, now when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound of a mighty rushing wind and it fell upon all of them. But here is that same mighty rushing wind, but it falls on a house and kills Job's children. Are you getting the picture? Are you getting the picture? Job arose and he tore his garment and he shaved his head and sat down on the ground and he fell down and he worshipped. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked I'm going to return. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then along came the devil again. Yeah, you're shielding him. You're protecting him. You go ahead and touch him. Touch his body, God. I can't touch him, but you can, God. Anybody here felt like that your body has been stricken? Anybody here feel like that physically you have come under attack? Anybody here feel like you have financially been attacked? Anybody here feel like your family has come under an attack? Is there anybody in the house tonight that feels like I'm reading your mail tonight instead of a man that lived thousands of years ago? God, I've lived for you. God, I've served you. I lay in that hospital bed when... I'd come down out of that hearth catheterization and the doctor told me, we're going to have to cut you wide open. We're going to have to hold your beating heart in our hand and stop it from beating. Hook you to a machine to circulate your blood. And we may not be able to get it cranked up after we've done that. There is a chance. Scared to death. Being a biologist, I know all about all this kind of stuff. And I know no matter how much they talk, this serious business. Oh, but we do it every week. Yeah, but you don't do it on me. You've heard the story of Job and everybody's saying, yeah, I know folks that have faced that. It's just one of those things that everybody goes through. Everybody may go through it, but I want you to know I don't like going through it. I ask God, God, what have I done wrong? I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't chase wild women. I don't even chase tame women. <laughs> Lord, I don't know about this. What's going on here? And then lo and behold, I get over that. 
and I get up to go to a men's prayer breakfast on a Sunday morning. And I'm just putting my underwear on. Just, you know, I'm not bothering anybody. And I can't remember where my legs go. And I walked into Sister Mosby and she thought I was acting a fool. She told me how to get them on and I put them on and then I couldn't button my buttons and I couldn't remember how to tie a tie. And I said, sweetheart, I think I'm in trouble. God, what have I done wrong? Where have I failed you? I've given everything I can give. I've invested in the church that I pastor. Went for years with no insurance. No retirement built up. God, what more could I do? They took me in and Dr. Graves looked at me and he said, You've had a stroke, Dr. Mosby. And I looked up at him and I said, Dr. Graves, will I be able to preach again and teach again? I said, because if I can't, I'd just as soon be dead. My wife said, who are you talking about? Dr. Graves said, if God wanted you, he just missed his best chance to get you. So you just shut up and let God do what he wants to do. This is... I'm just, I'm preaching to you out of my heart tonight. I'm telling you that, hey, we have, we have gone through these things. I'm not talking to folks that don't know what I'm talking about. How many of you folks out there have got heart trouble? Come on, be honest. Raise your hand. How many of you have ever had bypass surgery? Well, not a whole lot of you. Y'all are very fortunate up here. Well, if I asked that question down on the coast, there'd be a whole host of folks. How many of you have ever had a stroke, whether it was a TIA or a full-fledged one? Yeah, I see some hands going up. When you face that situation, you start saying, God, why me? Why me? And you start looking and listening for God to tell you something. And Job began to do the same thing. His friends showed up, in quotation marks. Anytime you've got problems, there's always going to be somebody that can tell you how to take care of things. But they're always going to tell you it's your fault. And here they came. They said, I just looked at him for a while. Well, if you can't help me, Ain't nine of me in my church sings a song, If you can't help me, please don't stop me. Get out of my way and don't try to block me. I got a race to run and I'm running by faith. I'm here to tell you that some of us need to understand we're going to have some Job's comforters arise on the scene. And what they tell us is going to sound logical. It's going to sound right. Mm, Jesus. But as David said, 
when I considered the wicked and how they prospered, my foot well nigh slipped until I went to the house of the Lord and considered the end thereof. I want to go to the end of the book. I want to go to the end of Job. I'm not going to stick at the front of it. I'm not going to focus in the middle when one man is criticizing another man and Job is defending himself with his own intellect. Listen, you don't get to be a wealthy man and be an ignorant fool. Job was an intelligent man. He was a smart man. You don't believe it? Read the book of Job and read all of the things that he talked about. He said, I, I'm trying to find the Lord because I want to argue my case before Him. If I can just find out where He is, then I can tell Him. I can explain everything. How many of you have ever just wanted to get God's attention long enough to explain some things to God? In case you don't understand, God, this is really what's happening to me. In case you've forgotten where I am, I'm right here. But we, we want to read about Job answering his critics. We focus on all of that. But I want to go to the last of the book. I want to go to this 42nd chapter. And I want you to put that back up for me. If you can. There we go. Now, you find out that it said, And Job said, And this one said, And that one said, But finally, God begins to talk. And when God begins to speak, things begin to change. Our perspective gets modified when Big Daddy talks. When the God of heaven and earth begins to tell us something, you may shrug off what Mosby says. And you may shrug off what Robertson says. But when Jehovah looks at you and begins to speak, you're not going to shrug it off, sweetheart. And Job answered the Lord and said, I know. I know. Everybody say, I know. I know. How many of you know some things tonight? You've walked down a few roads. You've experienced a few things. Hallelujah. I know that you can do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee or hidden from you. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? That's who he was. Therefore have I uttered that that I understood not. God, I've talked like a fool. I've been answering these critics, and I really didn't have the right to do it. We get in trouble when we start trying to defend and vindicate ourselves. The more I explain, the more bogged down I get. The more I try to rationalize things, the more irrational it becomes. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? 
You've sat down and said, well, let's just reason this thing out. And it was like trying to put a jigsaw puzzle together that had a third of the pieces gone. Nothing quite fit. And then you get to be like a little child. If you've ever had little kids around your house and tried to convince them to work a jigsaw puzzle, if they got one of those toy hammers, they'll make those pieces go together. It may not fit, but get the hammer and drive them down. Make them fit. There have been times in my relationship with God that I've tried to rationalize and reason things out and the pieces won't fit and I want to stomp them into place. I want to make it make sense, but it doesn't make sense. And no matter how much I force and no matter how much I cram, nothing makes sense. Because I don't understand. Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things that are too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare unto you, or or declare thou unto me. Listen carefully. This is the key, the essence of what I want to preach tonight. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. My sensory input has been hearing. I've heard all about it. I've heard about the goodness of God. I've heard about the power of God. I've heard about the miracles. But he said, but now, mine... I seeth thee. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How are we going to hear except there be a preacher? And how is he going to preach except he be sent? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And so we come to church Sunday after Sunday, and we hear it, and we hear it, and we hear it. And Monday morning we get up and we've still got the house burned down. We've still got the sheep gone. We've still got a wife that's looking at us and saying, Curse God, you old fool, and die. Boy, that went over, didn't it? No matter what we try to do, we end up in relationships that endeavor to negate the will of God in our life. I'm talking about a sensory transition. It is time for McCormick's Creek Pentecostal Church to stop hearing and start seeing. It is time for the ministerial staff of McCormick's Creek Pentecostal Church to stop hearing about what God can do, what God has done, what God will do, and it's time to start seeing it happen. It's time for a sensory transition. 
change the input. We've preached to each other. We have preached and preached and preached. Mm. It is time to shift gears and to begin to see what God really is going to do for us. Am I negating the preaching of the Word of God? No. But I'm telling you that the preaching of the Word of God is not the be-all and end-all. It is supposed to be the thing that sparks the seeing in our lives. Oh, we preach healing. I said we preach healing. We preach the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. These signs shall follow them that believe. They're going to pray for the sick and they're going to recover. They're going to cast out devils. Oh, we like that part about speaking with new tongues. But I'm here to tell you that it's God's will for saints of God to start carrying a little bit of oil in your pocket. And when that individual stops you in the grocery store and says, Boy, I'm so sick. You just don't know how sick I am. We need to stop this business of saying, Well, I know a God that can heal you. God bless you. Be blessed, my brother. And we go right on our way. No, 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 no. It is time for us to stop hearing and start seeing. It's time for us to whip out that anointing oil and say, Okay, if you're sick, I'm going to pray for you. Right now, right here. Oh, but I'd be embarrassed to do that. What happens if nothing happens? You hadn't heard what I've been preaching. You haven't heard what your pastor's been preaching. You hadn't heard what the ministerial staff has been preaching. They have preached enough faith to you that you ought to be able to pray for the dead and have them rise up. It's time to stop hearing and start seeing. Oh, yeah, you're coming across some folks that that say, Boy, I sure would like the Holy Ghost. Man, I sure wish I could have that Holy Ghost. What's wrong? You want it? Okay. Let's pray right here. Right here. But wait a minute. We're in Walmart. And Wally World's not quite the first church. Doesn't matter. I said it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's time for a sensory transition. It's past the point of telling folks what God wants to do and what God will do and begin to perform. It's time for the church of the living God to put up or shut up. It's time for us to begin to practice what we preach and begin to observe what God's divinity desires to do in our lives. He said, it is my will that you don't be the borrowers, but that you be the lenders. It's my will that you prosper as your soul prospers. How long has it been since you left a church house after shouting and speaking in tongues and running around the church house and got home and God began to provide on Monday morning for financial needs in your life? How long has it been? I'm telling you, it's time to step out of 
the parameter of hearing and step into the realm of seeing. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can think or ask. Why in the world don't do we stop short of seeing what God said He was going to do? Because it's easier to talk about it. I said it's easier to talk about it. Some of you are battling finances. Let me tell you something. It is not God's will for us, for we as the apostolics, to be the ones that are without, that have to go hat in hand and beg. That is not the will of God. That is not the will of God. Young men in my church came through our Christian school. His mother had gone through a very bad divorce. Had moved from Illinois to Mississippi. Came to our church, a divorcee with three children. Her mother and her grandmother moved down with her. Three women, three children. Ramey came through our Christian school. He was nominated for an appointment at Annapolis Naval Academy. Attended one semester at Ole Miss. Decided he didn't want to spend five years in the military. And so he got his degree at Ole Miss. He and three friends moved to Memphis. Got hired. Worked for a company up there for about a year and a half or two years. And they decided, we're just getting paid a salary. company's making all the big money. We don't need this. They quit their jobs, formed a company. And within three years, he was a multimillionaire. Attended Brother Black's church in Memphis. The last service Ray was in, he wrote a check for $10,000. He had been the top giver in the church. He was a multimillionaire. Worked for God. Tremendous young man. Had a heart condition. I went with him when he had to have his heart valve replaced. Had gone to see his cardiologist. They checked him out and said, Ray, me everything, Ray everything is good. He got on his treadmill to exercise like he always did. And died of a heart attack on that treadmill. He had been elected as the youngest board member in that church. Brother Black told me, said he is irreplaceable pastor. You don't understand. We were going into a building program and Ray had already pledged. That Sunday morning after Ray's death, had a young minister come in to preach that Sunday morning, and he got up and made the statement. He said, if everybody here had been what you ought to have been, we could have prayed for Ramey when he was in the hospital, and God would have raised him back up 
it's all your fault for not having faith. Brother Black got up and speaking under the anointing of the Holy Ghost made the statement. He said, Brother, you're wrong. You're wrong, but I'm going to tell you what God's going to do. God is going to give us a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. In the city of Memphis, there was a young man who had just moved up from Ole Miss. Ramey's company had just hired three employees away from FedEx. Hired them. And when Billy got to Memphis, he got the job of one of those three men. Ray had looked at a list of visitors. And he came across Billy Patton's name. The backslidden son of a Pentecostal preacher. He said, I'll take this one. He went and knocked on the door and he said, Billy Patton. And he said, Ray Willoughby. He said, man, I've come today to tell you that God still loves you and still knows where you are, Billy. I want you to come and go to church with me and I'll be your friend. My wife and I will take you and your family out to eat with us every Sunday. I want you to come to church. I want to play golf with you. I want to invest in you. Now, this is what he's telling Billy. And the following week, Ray dies. That Sunday, when Billy came in, he told his wife, he said, you sit wherever you want to, but I've got to go up and sit. I've got to go up and sit in Ray's chair. I've got to sit on that front row. Now, here he was. Hadn't even prayed back through yet. But he said, I've got to go sit in Ray's chair. At that time, he had started a little computer business in Memphis barely making ends meet. That Sunday morning when Brother Black made that statement, he said, no, the church did not fail because God is going to take care of things. And he said, you don't know but what that man is already sitting in Brother Ray's place right now. He had no idea who Billy was. Billy purposed in his heart God, you've called me to be a replacement. Right now, Billy Patton's computer business is the second largest in Memphis, Tennessee. He has got 17 young men on his staff. Now, that's not what you need to get excited about. He's got 17 young men in his staff. And a condition of working at his company is that you go to the church where he goes to church and you be an active winner of souls. Their goal, their goal from his business is to knock on 30,000 doors. Billy said, I've already knocked on the first 3,000 myself, Pastor. I'm here to tell you what I'm talking about. 
is it's time to move from hearing into seeing. God wants to do the same thing for the first church in Gulfport. And He wants to do the same thing for the McCormick Street Church right here in Spencer. I'm here to tell you that God is ready to fill our needs, to meet our needs. There is an individual in this community right now that could write a check and pay for this new building you need to build and never miss a penny of it. I'm here to tell you we're going to move from the hearing about these things into the seeing of these things. We're going to move from only the auditory stimulation into the visual stimulation, from the hypothetical to reality. We're going to move into a new dimension of seeing God's power do what God said He would do. No, I'm not just talking to a church. I'm talking to the souls that sit on these pews. Some of you have wrestled with situations. I'm about through. Some of you have wrestled with situations. Some of you are facing things that seem insurmountable to you. Instead of things getting better, they seem to get worse. Instead of answers, you just seem to come up with questions. Instead of solutions, it's just more situations. <laughs> you try to encourage yourself in the Lord, and it seems like the harder you try, the worse it gets. seems like you're wading through quicksand. You take one step forward and you sink down to your knees. You take another step forward and you're down to your waist. You keep trying to plug along for God. And the next thing it seems you're up to your neck. And you don't think God's ever going to be able to take care of it. Let me assure you that there is a God in heaven above that is going to see you through the situation. I don't care whether it is marital. I don't care whether it is your health. There is a God that's able to heal you of every infirmity able to deliver you from every physical situation. I don't care what they have diagnosed you with. God's got the final word in the situation. God's got the final answer. God's the one that's going to change things. God's the one that's going to modify it. God's the one that's going to alter it. God is the one that's going to do the work. It's not going to be the minister. It's not going to be the pastor. It's not going to be the evangelist. It's going to be Almighty God who changes it from the hearing to the seeing. Oh, hallelujah. And if a third of you could believe it, this church would be revolutionized. I'll be 68 this birthday. I know that I don't have long on the face of this earth. I come from a, long, a line of long-lived folks. They live to be in their 90s. So I may even live to be 90. But that's not long. God has spoken to me through dreams and visions through prophetic utterances from various ministers. 
I have heard it and heard it and heard it until if you will excuse the expression, it makes me sick to the stomach. Promises, promises. I'm ready. I'm ready to have a sensory transition. I'm ready to go from talking about it to testifying about it. From witnessing about it to walking it. Mm. I believe that it is the will of God in this last day for healing to take place in every service. Pastor, if I'm wrong, you straighten this situation out after I leave. But I believe this is the will of God. The Bible said that the Lord healed all of the sick. They gathered, Brother Fox, from every corner. And the Lord looked out across this massive crowd of folks that were sick and hurting and dying. What did He do? Well, I can heal you. Well, I'll take care of you. No, that's not what He did. That empathy. He looked at them and knew they were hungry. He didn't just say, oh, be filled. Uh-uh. He took the loaves and the fishes and He blessed them and He broke them and it changed from being hearing about it to actually observing it, to seeing it, to tasting it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How long has it been since you literally tasted the sweetness of the Holy Ghost in your mouth? You breathed in and you tasted the divine presence and power of God. How long has it been since you saw that blue blaze of holy power descend in a sanctuary and every individual that didn't have the Holy Ghost got filled? I'm here to tell you, I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm ready to see it. Now let me finish the story. The Lord spoke to those that had come in and had witnessed, testified against him. And he said, you better bring me an altar, an offering to the altar. You think you're so smart. Tried to answer Job for me. You better bring in an offering. Because when you do, Job's going to have to pray for you. I'm here to tell you there's folks in this community that are criticized, accused, denigrated, lied about this church and its people for years. And what's going to happen? God's going to bring them down to the altar and they're going to come and they're going to say, you need to pray for me because if you don't pray for me, I can't get better. If you don't pray for me, my dilemma is not going to be solved. I know that I've messed up through the years. I need your forgiveness and I need your prayers. And the Bible said that the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends, also the Lord. Oh, see, we, we want to get hung up on this spiritual aspect. I'm going to pray for you because I love you. 
I'm going to forgive you. And then I'm going to plod along down that same road I've been plodding along. But that's not God's plan. Everybody shout restoration. restoration. In a nutshell, I'm preaching restoration also. He said, hey, I want you, everybody that comes, I want you to bring an offering and I want you to give it to Job. And God said, I'm going to give him twice as much as what he had. The only thing God didn't give Job twice as much as he had, he didn't give him a second wife because that wouldn't have been a blessing. Because that woman's the one that said, go ahead and curse God, you old fool, and die. Hey, you don't need that kind of help. Praise God. The Bible said that, and this is verse 12, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, a thousand she-asses. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. And in all the land was, were no women found that were so fair as the daughters of Job. And their fathers gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job a hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons' sons even for four generations in return for a few weeks of devastation and hurt God gave him more than he could have ever even thought about Hallelujah. I know a gentleman in the city of Shreveport, Louisiana got ready to build their new church and he went to the congregation he said I want everybody to sell their new cars you got a good house you put it on the market and sell it move into a rent house you put everything you've got into the kingdom of God pastor you're not going to do this I know you're not because you're like me <laughs> that'd be the case in Gulfport just make rebels out of some folks. This pastor did it. But I'm going to tell you what, in three years, everybody that sold a house was living in one bigger and better than the one they sold. Everybody that sold their car and started driving a hoopty to church and to work ended up with brand new cars that were far more expensive than what they had to begin with. The church built a massive new building debt-free, and every child of God that submitted and did it ended up being blessed of God. Now, I'm not going to do that because I know that there's some folks that are not willing to move from hearing to seeing. Boy, it got quiet around McCormick's Creek there for a minute. She's with me. And no, I've not done this in Gulfport, and I do not plan on doing it in Gulfport because God hadn't told me to, and until God tells me to, I'm not going to. So there. 
But God knows how to bring us down and how to pick us back up. God knows how to give us. And if you don't want God to bless you, don't give it. If you're happy with what you've got, just be content with the hearing and watch others be blessed. You want to remain sick in your body? Just keep on listening to everybody else talking about healing. I'm quitting before you run me out. Father, I pray that today you would bless this church with a spirit of seeing and not just hearing. Let them make a transition, God, from faith to fulfilled faith. God, it has been preached for so long that it's become old hat to us. Let us experience it. Let us see it happen. God, let the cancers be wiped off. Lord, let the diabetes be healed. Let the wounds be healed. God, let the backs be repaired. God, let migraines disappear. Mm. Oh, God, I ask you to move in the bodies of your children tonight. Lord, move in the finances. God, I know we're in a time of financial crises, but you are not governed by the economy of our world. You are not restricted by who's president. God, you're not controlled by what political parties do or say. You control it all, God. And you're able to bless financially your children that they can bless the kingdom that the world can be reached for the cause of Christ. Bless and move in Jesus' name, I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.